and Healing Podcast, a podcast about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care through health and wellness. I'm your host, Jazzy Piggott, a tuba player, composer, certified personal trainer, writer, educator, and podcaster based in Baltimore, Maryland. In this week's episode, I'm back alone on a solo episode, and I will be talking about Black History Month and what to do beyond it, referencing a blog post that I made last year. So the end of Black History Month 2022 is here, and it's almost time for the loving celebrations of Black composers and performers to fall into the background as the need for the normal curriculum returns. Sarcasm aside, this is a trend I've noticed every single year, and I was surprised to not see more done to commemorate Black History Month this year, or even last year, COVID-19 aside, and this has led me to believe that, again this year, because 2021 was the same way, will ultimately be no different than any other. So rather than complain about a lack of things being done, I've decided to put my energy towards providing some ways for us to continue to empower the Black community throughout the year. So my first tip is to continue to discuss Black composers and performers alongside the standard composers and performers. With every diversity push, there is an element of tokenization that develops simultaneously. Rather than categorize composers by their identities, it is important that we begin to normalize them within the curriculum. It is important to acknowledge that a Black composer is Black, but they are still a composer just as well as the other composers are. We never point out how we're playing a work by a white cis male composer, yet when programming works by people of other identities, there is always a perceived need to other them by stating their identity. And I'll get to more on this virtual signaling in my next point. This in turn perpetuates the culture of white supremacy that diversity initiatives seek to eliminate despite their best intentions. In order to create a true culturally affirming curriculum or classroom, we must begin to minimize the labels and make it so the word composer doesn't automatically generate pictures of cis white men. However, labels do have their purpose, and this has been something I have been increasingly conflicted with in the past few years. While we shouldn't other composers with underrepresented identities, we must still find a way to acknowledge their identity since it may have been underrepresented in the past. For example, it would be ignorant to talk about Robert Nathaniel Dett's music without bringing up that he was black and his music is heavily influenced by African-American traditions. After much thought, I've realized that this largely depends on the situation. In a classroom or curriculum, one way to avoid othering while acknowledging identity would be through presenting biographical information about every performer or composer you are introducing. On a recital program, sharing performance recordings, or when using a composer's music for a theory example, think about whether it is truly necessary to point out that you are featuring a Black composer. And that leads me to my next point. Program or commission works by Black composers without virtue signaling that it's by a Black composer. Make sure you continue to program and promote works by Black composers outside of Black History Month and beyond this academic year. In order for true change to happen, this needs to be normalized by our generation. But while this is important, be careful to avoid virtue signaling. 
Virtue signaling is defined in the Oxford Dictionary as publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. So does this sound familiar? Check out my recital! I have a diverse program featuring a black composer, a woman composer, and a queer composer. I've seen this a countless number of times within the past few years, and every time it makes me roll my eyes. Think. What is the reasoning to only state the marginalized identities of of a composer other than seeking some level of reward or validation from the public? If you are performing a program that features composers from diverse backgrounds, great, but there is no need to advertise it in that way. This type of advertising promotes the culture of white supremacy by highlighting the ways people's identities are different from what is normal. Instead, to advertise and normalize, Just state the pieces you're playing or simply name the actual composers. Reducing a person to a token just to stroke your ego with virtual reward is problematic. Point number three. Do your research about music or different styles before programming it. One time in my undergrad, I sought through someone's mock lesson and listened in horror as they used the spiritual to teach emotion and music because it was happy. It was problematic to program works that have culturally significant meanings without investigating their root culture. This frequently happens with spirituals, but it can easily happen in other repertoire as well. Music holds incredible value and meaning to society. Every piece out there has a story and culture to which it is tied. If you are going to take an initiative to promote Black music or musicians, it is imperative that you do your research to ensure you are representing the cultural background, and are promoting that to your audience or students. Many people seem to be afraid of programming works from other cultures. They fear they don't know enough or that it's wrong for them to be teaching slash performing a piece that doesn't match their identity. First, it is important that you feature diverse repertoire in predominantly white classrooms because you are exposing your students to an identity or culture they may never have interacted with. Second, you can know more than you think you know. Google is a beautiful tool that allows you to do research almost effortlessly. Make sure you're using reputable sources, and if you can, contact someone who is an expert on the culture you are exploring. This person could potentially come to speak to your class. Hooray for Zoom! Lead a workshop or offer some insight on the nuances of the music you are studying. That experience would be more valuable than anything you could do on your own, and it would reduce the fear around exploring other cultures. Tip number four. Find opportunities to discuss race relations in your studio or your classroom. It is very easy to practice colorblind teaching and pretend that the problems in the world don't exist in your space. We live in a society, however, in which the events happening outside the classroom impact everybody's well-being. In order to show your black students that you care, find opportunities to discuss the issues in the country as they are happening. And for non-black students, encourage dialogue to help them understand the true weight of the events. Without exposure to other perspectives, many people develop stubborn views of the world. As a teacher, you have the power to introduce these perspectives to challenge your students' potentially problematic beliefs. Remember, racism is not a political issue so there is no excuse to not bring it up in the classroom. In addition to the benefits of having these discussions, be aware that not having them sends a message to your black students. Silence and inaction is incredibly powerful, 
So be wise with how you use it. And tip number five, my last tip. This is a mini episode this week because I don't have that much time, but that's okay. So five. Practice anti-racism in as many ways as you can. Finally, the best thing you can do to continue supporting the Black community is to actively practice anti-racism. Anti-racism is taking action to dismantle the systems that have allowed racism to develop. It is more than simply not being racist. It takes shape by calling out or calling in people who commit overt racism or microaggressions, educating ignorant friends and family about systemic problems that have led us to this point, and not leaving a person of color alone to defend themselves in a racialized situation. As white allies, you have the power to speak up and educate other white people on their level, something that people of color will never be able to do. Use this ability to continue to dismantle the systems of oppression that prevail in society today. So that concludes the information portion of this week's episode. Like I said, it's a shorter episode than usual, just because I'm kind of taking a break from the podcast right now. So next week, I will be back on with Dr. Matthew Claus for an interview, and I hope you enjoy that. But right now, let me get to Roses, Buds, and Thorns. This is a segment I do every episode to cultivate a level of authenticity and gratitude because I'm not, I'm not perfect and I can be grateful for things that are happening in my life when things aren't going well. So a rose is something good that's happening, a bud is something you're looking forward to, and a thorn is something bad that happened or is happening. So this week, my thorn is my recital repertoire. So I have a recital on March 26th. And I don't know what the heck I'm going to play on it. And it's about a month away now. So I'm a little bit stressed out trying to figure that out. And the past few weeks has been me like playing a bunch of random pieces I find and then not really liking them. And then I'm back to the drawing board where I don't know what I'm going to play. So yeah, uh, my thorn is just not figuring out my recital rep. But hopefully by the next episode, I will have this done. And I guess you will hear that soon. My rose. This week is audition week at Peabody, and I have the week off. So audition week at Peabody is this week where they basically shut down the entire school. There's no classes or lessons, and all the students who are auditioning for next year just come and take over, basically. So, yeah, no classes, no lessons. I'm just basically on break because I don't play in any ensembles. So it's really nice that I can actually just be free for a while. I mean, I do still have teaching to do. I still have my prep program and I'm still teaching at Ohio, but it's really nice to just not have to be in my two, two and a half hour classes that I have in my one hour lesson a week and studio. So yeah, hooray for that. And then my bud this week, Andre Thacker from the last episode and from episode 12 is coming up next weekend. He's my partner. Uh, We are long distance, so it's nice that he's coming up. It's the first time we're seeing each other since our anniversary a couple weeks ago. So I'm very excited for that. And we're going to meet a few of my friends, and we're going to have a nice makeup date for Valentine's Day, which will be really fun. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you were able to take something away from it and that you decide that you want to continue to practice anti-racism beyond Black History Month. 
because Black History Month is the shortest month of the year. And it's important that we continue to make it so maybe Black History Month in the future isn't necessary because we talk about Black history so often. Right now, it is very necessary because there is no other time of the year when we highlight Black people's accomplishments. By practicing promoting Black culture outside of Black History Month one day, we should come to a time where we don't need Black History Month anymore. We don't need to rely on it and what it does because we are regularly talking about these people and our gifts to society will be recognized by everybody. So here's to a bright future. Next week, I'll be talking with Dr. Matthew Claus from Ithaca College. He was one of my professors and he's one of my research partners. And we'll be discussing mental health, um, a bit more of on activism, because I don't talk enough about activism on this podcast, even though I mentioned that it's about activism every single episode. And I hope you enjoy that episode when it comes out. So I will see you next week. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts when you have the chance. And share this short episode, because it's short, you know, people will listen to it. So share this episode with your friends and family, on Facebook, social media, any way you can, just so we can get more listeners. I'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at The Jazzy Tubist on both Facebook and Instagram. And at my website, jasminepiggit.com. I'll see you next Thursday.